welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 38. I am Megan Kronza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. And I just have to say thank you so much to everyone who has reached out and sent messages and emails. I love hearing from you guys. Every week I'm hearing from more and more listeners and it just touches my heart hearing from you guys is really the best and I appreciate it so definitely keep that coming also if you are enjoying the podcast and you would be so kind to leave a review especially on apple podcast that really does help people to find the show so that way if somebody who is looking for something like this and might find it helpful they can do that so again I just I really appreciate all those reviews but everything. It, it just means so much to me. So today's episode, I'm super excited about this one. I am talking with Kelly Davis. She is a fellow autism mom and she is a blogger. She has a blog called Growing Up Steven. And I actually found her on social media on Instagram with the same name, Growing Up Steven. And I just love following along with her and her son, Stephen, and their family. He is an adult on the spectrum. He's 28. And they just have a lot of fun. They live in Florida. So they're like always hanging out on the beach, which makes me very jealous. But I just love to see it. And I just love her perspective and her kind of take on things as far as like raising a child with autism and then having that child become an adult. I feel like she was really good to listen to and I, I took away a lot from our conversation and I, I'm i still thinking about a lot of the things that she said and it really resonated with me. So I know that you guys will feel the same way listening to her now. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Kelly. Hi Kelly, welcome to Adventures in Autism. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Yes, I am so, I've been looking forward to this for a few weeks now. Good, good. Yeah, we were having to like reschedule. We had some, some yes. life issues pop up. Yes, <laughs> that, that thing we call life, correct. Yes, that's very true. <laughs> Kelly and I had connected on social media and I don't even remember, I think, if you followed me or if I followed you but as soon as I saw your account on Instagram um called growing up Steven I was so intrigued by you and your story because you have an adult son on the spectrum and you and I had been talking before we started where I just said I I love seeing seeing you guys just live your life it just you you have so much fun and she lives in beautiful Florida so I like seeing that too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was just so drawn to you and just just that aspect of like living life and taking everything in stride. So that's why I really I really wanted to talk with you. Yes. Well, I was so glad that you asked me to come on because I feel like, you know, when your child gets diagnosed with autism, there's not many adults with autism out there that you can kind of say, what will, will, will my child be like when they're an adult? Will they be okay? You know, will they be able to live a normal life? Just all of those yeah. things. I mean, I know I had, I had those exact same thoughts and I was really, yeah. I really at that time wanted to, to hear from people who had older children on the spectrum. And yeah. I, I wasn't able to find a lot of that. Um, so that's another reason why we got the pod now so we can chat with all kinds of people. Um, 
Right. Awesome. So we will talk about all that. If you will kind of take us back to the beginning though, um, and of like your Stephen's childhood and when things maybe first started to come up for you. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, well, when I was pregnant with Stephen, it was a normal pregnancy, but it, you know, it ended in a C-section. Um, but every, everything was fine. And, um, when he was a baby, he, he just seemed unusually fussy. I didn't have too much experience with a baby, but what I did know, I just felt that something was off. And, um, but, but, you know, the, the doctor just said he had colic and things like that. And so as he started to get a little older, I noticed he had a lot of repetitive things like clapping his hands and, um, you know, stiffening his muscles in his body. And it would, it would be all day long. And I just said to my husband, something, that's just not, I don't think that's normal behavior for, you know, a toddler. And so, but we didn't know what it was. And so when we questioned our doctor, he kind of dismissed us like we were overprotective, overbearing parents. Um, so, which is unfortunately common with a lot of parents yeah. dealing, you know, dealing with autism. So we, um, but I was watching a show one day and this, they were talking about autism and they were talking about this unique disorder called autism is exactly what they said on the show. And this mother said that her son hugged her backwards, which might sound a little odd, but Stephen always did that. And right at that moment, I knew in my heart that that's what he had. And so I told my husband, I think this is what he has. So my husband, you know, went to the library and got a lot of books. And he looked into the books and he's like, you know, he does exhibit all these signs of autism. And so we talked to the doctor and the doctor, um, you know, kind of was still a little dismissive, but one day we went and he, the doc, our doctor was out and we saw a new doctor and he said that he thought that we might be right, that he felt that Stephen did exhibit signs of autism, but he didn't know much about it. So we, and again, it wasn't prevalent at all. So we had to take him out of state and we took him to, um, place called Teach Center in North Carolina. And they had a team that evaluated him. And it was a three-day evaluation. And then at the end of the, you know, the time, um, he did, um, they, they said, you know, he does have autism. But, you know, team of doctors and psychologists and everything dealt with, with the whole situation. Because first and foremost, they said, how lucky we were that he was our son because he was such a great kid and, you know, such a, a free spirit. And they just were so positive before they gave us the diagnosis. And you don't usually see yeah, that a lot. that's incredible that they, they were so kind about it. Very kind. And, you know, said that uh, at that time I had a five-month-old or six-month-old, something like that. And so I looked, he was on the floor crawling around during the evaluation, I mean, during the 
um, diagnosis. And I was like, oh my gosh, what about my, our other son? You know, that's the first thing I thought of. And, and they said, listen, this is extremely rare. And they said, don't ruin your quality time with your newborn baby or your baby by worrying if he has autism or Mm -hmm. not. And they were right. I was doing just that. I wasn't enjoying my baby. I was checking in for autism. Mm -hmm. And, and I couldn't live in the moment. And that is one regret because, um, my middle, he's my middle son, Patrick, and he's a software engineer. And that's one thing I wish I wouldn't have wasted a lot of time worrying so much about him being autistic. Because first and foremost, if he is, he is, Mm -hmm. you're going to deal with it. And, but you know, it, it definitely put a damper on, you know, my enjoyment and, and worrying. But as he got older, I stopped, you know, and I saw that he was developing. I saw that, you know, he didn't have autism. And um, so I, I did. And then with my, my third child, I didn't really worry about that mm-hmm. at all with her. I was able to be more laid back about I it. I totally relate to that because like with my, with my second, Logan had not been diagnosed um, when we had Liliana. He was... He had just turned three and we were in the, we were definitely thinking that that could be a possibility, but we were kind of like how you were saying that the doctors were dismissive. They weren't necessarily dismissive of us because they were, we were getting services at that time, but all of his, his doctors and therapists and teachers, nobody was like pushing us to get a diagnosis. They were all kind of like, it it could be, but it also could just be a delay because at that time he was still young. So it was like his behaviors that were emerging weren't like so concerning. Um, Wasn't until after we, after we had her that we really wanted to, to seek the diagnosis. And then I remember like when she was, you know, a baby, just, I've said before, like kind of holding my breath thinking like, what, what what what's going to be around the corner and it wasn't that I didn't enjoy her but it was like definitely something that was on my mind a lot for sure mm-hmm. and that you know that does take away from you know the excitement of enjoying your baby I mean it definitely mm-hmm. takes away from it's it stressful. so um tell me because okay so Stephen is 28 so at what age was he diagnosed he was diagnosed at um two years and oh gosh yeah. I don't have the, I don't know how many I think four so months pretty, I'm not but yeah. two at yeah, two <laughs> um okay so yeah I'm really bad at math so that was like 26 years ago so how what so do you remember what year it was Correct. <laughs> um, um 1992 okay, so 19 yeah I mean I like did you even did you know anything about autism at that time we saw the movie yeah. Rain Man. This is so weird. We saw that movie, and my husband and I, and we were like, that's the craziest thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> when we left the, mo- the movie, we loved the movie, but we were like, that was yeah. crazy. All the stuff he could do. And do you know, I don't know if you even know this about Stephen or not, but he has savant skills. Oh, so um, he really he really is like the character in rain man as far as like you could give, he can tell you 
any date of anything he's done. Like if you asked him, Stephen, did you go see Toy Story, the first Toy Story, whenever that came out? And he could tell you um, the day he went, the date he went, the, the showing that he went, and the actual theater he was in. Like if he was in theater number two, or he can do, he can, it's insane oh, what he my can gosh. do. <laughs> that, that's, first of all, that's incredible. Yeah. And second, it kind of makes me laugh because whenever I talk to people who are like not familiar with autism and I tell them like, Oh yeah, my son has autism. They're like, Oh, he must be a genius. Like, <laughs> like that's something you you hear. And I, and I mean, I think like the, the percentage of people with, with savant skills that are on the spectrum is actually not very much, but that's amazing that he, that Stephen actually does. It's, <laughs> yes. It's something like 2%. Yeah, but, it's something I mean, like 2%. Brain, man, everyone just thinks that that's, like all kids in the spectrum, which I, yes, Logan is extremely smart. Like there's, there's so much going on that, that we can't necessarily access with him. Um, But it's always funny because people, people always like jump to that conclusion. And like you said, it's. They always have the mindset of what autism is, no matter if they know or not, they, they know, you know, the whole, that's why I did the, the, I've done a couple of blog posts talking about how people, you know, one person with autism is one like, person with yeah, autism. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. So, okay, so after he was diagnosed then, um, were, were services available, like resources for you guys back then? Or how did that go? We had some speech. He had speech and occupational therapy. And then we moved um, to a district where he could get early intervention services. I am a huge advocate for early intervention. I feel like it is the most effective tool for your child to make progress. I, um, you know, I've seen it and I, here's the thing, the children, once I, Stephen started to get older and Stephen, we were exposed more to, um, children with autism. Now that I've seen these children be able to become adults, I know collectively early intervention is what helped them the yeah, most. I, no, I, I completely agree. I think that early intervention is, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so important. And I think all too often, I shouldn't say that, but I, I think a lot of times though, parents just have a hard time accepting the situation and, and then yes, sometimes that early intervention gets put off and it gets later and later. And it's like the only person who is missing out here is your child. Right. And a lot of people, I am all for anything and everything that you think will work to help your child, but it, it's going to be a combination. It's not going to be a sh- just a diet. It's not going to be just the intervention. It's going to be an entire, you know, an entire group mm-hmm. of different things that you can bombard your child with to help them make Absolutely. progress. It's just, that's the way it's going to be. And um, I also start, when Stephen um, started school, well, the kindergarten age range, I started to mainstream him. And he, he, what I did was we started mainstreaming him for 20 minutes at a time because I thought anything longer than that would overwhelm Mm -hmm. him. 
So my recommendation for anyone who wants to start mainstream, if they, if they want to give it a try for their kids is to start very small and then mm-hmm. build up. And, um, I think it's, it's, you know, it's pretty, it can be pretty successful if, if you try it. My, my thing is, you know, I, I really, I like inclusive. There's some kids that Mm -hmm. can't mainstream their star, but if possible, I really strongly advocate for mainstreaming. And the reason I do is because we do not live in a special needs world. We live in an inclusive world where we all have to get along. We all have to communicate Mm -hmm. all of that. And so, and so we're not all self-contained. We don't go, our kids are not going to grow up Mm self-contained. They're going to grow up and be in this world we're living in and they need to know how to adapt in it. So I'm big on mainstreaming. You, you definitely hit the nail on the head when you said that, you know, the, they're not going to be self-contained their whole lives. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's true that there is definitely people on the spectrum who, like you said, can't be mainstreamed. Fine. But I, I do Correct. think that if you, if you see that that's a possibility for your child, like you're saying, even just 20 minutes at a time, just to introduce it. I think that's, that's so smart. We, um, Logan is in a self-contained class. And then that was something that we had talked about was kind of pushing him in and doing some, getting him in the mainstream class. And as school, as, as this year went on the first couple of months, I'm like, okay, like what's, what's the plan? What's going on? And everyone kept being like, Oh, we're just still kind of trying to like find our bearings. Um, but I kept pushing for it. And what they ended up doing with him is putting him in music class with his kindergarten peers so just get it like you said like just a little bit at a time i think that's good i think that's fantastic Um, yeah and then like eventually we're hoping that we can you know just kind of like move move him like more and more um that's what that's what the that's what the goal should be for everybody for the whole yeah. IEP team. And not only that, but it's so important for the children that he's mainstreamed with because they need to know that there's all walks of life on this planet that we're all living yeah. on. You know, there there's people that um look different and act different and talk different and walk different. You know, it's just so important for for both sides of the right. of the fence, really to speak. Agree. But so I, I'm, yeah, I'm all for yeah, mainstreaming. See, having kids, you know, see all the different diversity there is um i i just think that all that's going to do is help them so like you said it, it really it's good for everybody um okay so right. you started with right. 20 minutes a day and then were you able to to eventually have steven be mainstreamed or like how did the rest of his kind of school years go Yes, he eventually worked up it took a few years and he worked up to a full day and Academically, he was doing extremely well. Um, however, because he has autism, safety issues were still in place, uh, meaning, you know, he still had some difficulties with some safety issues. And so he, I fought for and won for him to have an assistant. Okay. And so they were able to keep, help keep him, you know, safe and on task, but, but they really did give him his mm-hmm. space. They just were kind of shadow. I call him more of a shadow, but 
academically, he did so well that I, it really was the best play. It was the least restrictive environment for him, which, you know, all that's what they have to provide. And so, but the assistant was, and, you know, there's lots of children that can make it in the mainstream with an assistant. And I really feel like if they can, they should be given that opportunity. I think it's worth the battle if parents want to battle that. And I hate to use the word battle, but it's a battle. unfortunately, that's sometimes what <laughs> that's sometimes what it is. And yeah, and um, and it worked. And he so then he had an assistant all the way up through middle school and high school, and um, actually uh, graduated with a regular that's ed diploma. Amazing. Oh my gosh. It was very amazing. He was the first, um, the, the State Department of Tennessee, which is where he graduated from high school, said he was the first one with a severe, as severe of a disability as he had to ever get a regular ed diploma. Wow. And they were just so proud of him. Yes. And so he went from, and as a matter of fact, when, when he was younger and they started, the doc, the psychologists and therapists started noticing his mm-hmm. savant skills, they told us he would never be able to do basic academics because they can't do savant and basic academics. Oh. So, yeah, so they said he would never be able to do that, but he proved them wrong. Wow. <laughs> he was able to. Yes. And so he, he went all the way up and, um, he worked so hard and, and here's the thing. He doesn't, he doesn't have high functioning autism. He doesn't have Asperger's. He doesn't have, um, um, you know, anything else on this. He was diagnosed at two with severe autism. As a matter of fact, back in the day when they diagnosed him, they had a scale and it was um, one through 10, 10 being the worst. And they said he was about a 9.8 and he was one of the worst cases they oh had ever God. seen. My mouth is like on the floor, right? I wish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, yes. that is incredible. So, that's right. So for parents out there whose kids are getting diagnosed and they feel doom and gloom and they feel like this is the end for us. And it's just not true. It's just not true. And, you know, and, and a lot of times growing up, you know, and that that's the school side of it. You know, a lot of times growing up, um, it, there, there was a lot of dark times with Stephen. Puberty was a very dark time yeah. for us. Um, and I was... Like, I'm not going to live through this. I didn't think I was going to live through the puberty situation. And I'm I'm not even (laughs) joking. But uh, because a lot of times, and this is something parents really need to to be on the lookout for, but a lot of times when kids with autism hit puberty, other things come to surface. Because I've heard that Uh, before. Obviously, with puberty, like, hormonal changes are inevitable. And, you know, with some spectrum, where, like you said, we don't want to call it a battle, but you already are battling with, with certain things. Um, but then it's like, right. Battle these hormonal changes that, you know, that they would throw even a, a you know, a, a typical kid into a tailspin. I can only imagine that, you know, on this, on the spectrum, it would be 
a different situation. And I've, and I've heard that before. Can you talk about that at all? Like how things were at that time? Well, he was getting ready to enter into high school and um, like I'd say late middle school. And he started uh, exhibiting really pacing back and forth, back and forth and um, um, having to go to the door and then sit back in the chair, go to the door, sit back in the chair. I mean, just really bizarre stuff that none of us knew what was going on. And I, you know, his therapist and up until this point, he had been doing so well. I mean, behaviors were under control, tantrums were under control, just he had been doing so well. So no one could help us. And so we took him to um, a center in Florida who specialized in, um, we thought it was OCD stuff. We thought he was getting severe OCD stuff because that's what it seemed. It seemed ritual-like and everything. And so we took him to an OCD clinic and the OCD clinic said, um, you know what, we're going to bring in some tomorrow. It was like a four day evaluation. And they said, we're going to bring in some other doctors tomorrow. And I said, okay. So they brought in these other doctors that were from the Tourette's clinic. And it turned out that he had Tourette's syndrome and it had just basically popped up. And they said it happens a lot. It just for whatever reason, just wow. shows up. And um, yes, and he um, had, and he also did have OCD. So he had Tourette's, and, but what he had was a gross motor mm-hmm. Tourette's. So uh, his pacing back and forth, that was all Tourette's. And, and, and then the OCD was on top of that. So that made him have mm-hmm. to do it. So it was just a very, very difficult time. And, and then you had, and then he started throwing mass, having massive meltdowns. And I mean, they would go on for five, six, seven hours. And then he would, and I just thought, you know, then it was so painful to see him. uh, uh, Somebody had worked so hard to get where he was doing very well, loving, happy, loving life. And it almost seemed like overnight this all happened and it was so painful. And I, you know, he's, he, I remember one day we had, I probably, we had probably seen 15 specialists because we didn't know what was going on. And so we went to a doctor to test for allergies because they tested him for a stroke. They tested him for everything. So we wanted to see, make sure there weren't, because the doctor had said sometimes funky allergies can throw you into a tailspin. And I was like, really? And they were like, yeah. So we were at this allergist and they were getting ready to, to test him. And I just broke down crying. And I in front of the doctor and even in front of and. And I, Stephen put his hand on my hand and he said, it's going to be okay. And I was like, he really had never shown that kind of compassion Mm -hmm. before, but I, he, we had been through and it had been a couple of months of just agony, 
And he said, it's going to be okay. And the doctor almost was taken back by it. And I said, I know, Stephen, I know it's going to be okay. And so, but so long story about all that short is it was Tourette's and OCD. And we, we, he had never, ever been on medication up until that point. And when you have it, let me tell you, I feel strong about saying this. When you have a child, I could not express enough how much against medication I was and I have always been. But when you, but when you have a child that cannot walk out of the front door and function and nothing you do, therapeutic diet, nothing you do will help that person except to help him by giving him a medication, you will do it because you have two choices. You can see your child suffer or you can try to help. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so he is, um, and actually, um, the doctors, the specialists we saw were experts in the medication and everything. So their approach was less is more. So they put him on a very low dose, um, of, of, a couple of medications and he slowly was very slow started to get out of the, the the dark place that he was in and do and he was homebound at that time and he started to be able to go back to school and he started to be able to live his life again and it just he just started doing better and better and um you know things just started looking up from there and then he finished high school and like I said graduated with a regular ed diploma and um has just you know he's been living his life and he's been happy and healthy and you know I I just I I wanted to say that because I know a lot of people are against medication Mm -hmm. and listen I don't love the fact that he has it but I hated the fact more couldn't function that he was and he was, yeah, he couldn't function and he was so unhappy and so sad. And, you know, so I hated that fact more. Oh, absolutely. I no, I completely agree with you. I feel like the, yeah, the medication thing is so tough. I, we don't have Logan on any medication except for melatonin. It does take that. Um, I'm not, I'm totally yeah. not against medication, but I am kind of like how, how you're, describing it as sort of like a a last resort that's kind of how at it yes, yeah like that. I feel like if we can manage without it then if we do get to the point where we need it then hopefully you know it's like he has enough skills and we've given him the tools to you know do the best that he can on his own and then it's like medication hopefully right. will just help the situation um but yeah I, I think mm-hmm. I think sometimes I think it's it's so like black and white people are either like ready to just like throw pills at it or or like completely yes. against it um so sometimes yeah there there has to be that kind of gray area so I do appreciate you saying that for sure yeah he was 16 before and I was just like you know I I'm not we're never going down that medication <laughs> medication route and um you know I just it's about don't we all want a good quality of life? He deserves to have a good quality absolutely, of life. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. No, I think that like what if it's if it's necessary, it's necessary. That's it. Yeah, right. And if and if you can never have to touch medication, I support mm-hmm. that. 
And, and if you can do other things instead of medication, I support that as well. I, I'm a big proponent of that as well. So, you know, it's it's up to each each parent, each yes. individual. That's you, you, you have, have to take to do it. For sure. what, what you feel is right for sure. But I do notice, you know, I, the reason I wanted to say that is because I've seen a lot of parents judge other parents. One, both sides. I've seen them not. I've seen them judge for putting them on medication. I've seen them yep. judge for not mm-hmm. putting them on medication. And we just need to support yeah. each other in what's best for our Absolutely. children. I totally, I could not. Know. That's why I wanted yeah. to say that. <laughs> um, okay, so then tell me. Obviously, like he he graduated, which is unbelievable. It's incredible. So, what was life like for him and for you guys after he graduated? What, was there a program that he was able to continue with, or because he had actually graduated, was he like done? I don't know how that that works for you guys. Once you age out of school, you are done. They no longer. However, um, each state vocational rehabilitation and they are usually and and this is something for parents with older kids should know the last year of their high school if um, you feel like your child's going to be able to work or need rehabilitation services or anything like that you need to bring your local voc rehabilitation um, service into your IEP meetings the last year of school because they will be the transition people once your child ages Mm -hmm. out of school. So they help if they, you know, help them try to find a job, um, you know, give them more training if they need it. But I will tell you it's very, very tough Mm -hmm. thing to find Adults with autism jobs. It's just Mm -hmm. tough. So it's been a battle. Stephen has Stephen has all these skills, and um, he's got a great personality. He has apraxia of speech. That's another thing. When he was diagnosed with autism, um, his speech was very, very delayed. I should have said this when I was telling you about it. His speech was very delayed, and so I thought he was going to be nonverbal. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, it turned, it came to find out that he had apraxia of speech, which delayed mm-hmm. his speech. So his speech is very robotic sounding. It, um, he can he can hold a conversation with you, but um, you have to pay attention to what he's saying to mm-hmm. understand him. So um, he has apraxia of speech. So that makes it very difficult. He's very outgoing, has a great personality, and loves people. But working with the public is tough because they would have a hard time mm-hmm. understanding him. So that kind of, and that's a shame because, uh, but, and, and not that what it comes down to is who out there is going to give him mm-hmm. a chance. People hear the word autism and they go running. And that is just the truth. They don't want the liability of employing someone with with autism in case they get injured or hurt on the job. They don't want, you know, um, to have to deal with the inconvenience of putting extra time and effort into training a person with autism. You know, it's, it's, it's really true. It's so frustrating and has been frustrating to try to find Stephen a job since graduating Mm -hmm. high school. Has he done it? Um, so we've taken. 
Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm no, sorry. I, I think you were going to say what I wanted. Just basically, like, have you, have, has he done, like, the rehabilitation? Like, was it, like, a, a program for him? He's got, he went to, what I started to do is we found some online classes. And so he's, I'm like in between if finding you a job, Stephen, we're going to take some classes. So he looked online and signed up. And so he's been taking classes that he's as interested in. And he's interested in computers and um, administrative and web page design and stuff like that. So he's been taking some of those classes online and but and that's fine and i and i encourage him and he's still continuing to do that but i want him to get out there and communicate with people and you know uh, associate with people so he's been volunteering okay. he's been volunteering at the food bank our local food bank and he's also volunteering at a school called uh, Beyond the Spectrum, and it um, is a school for um, kids who on on the spectrum. So they all have autism, and um, he volunteers and helps the kids with academics like math and science and social studies, and they have been fantastic in incorporating Steven into the schedule and the, they don't have a job for him right now. If they did, I know they would get it, give it to him, but they, they're a nonprofit. And so they just don't have anything right now. And, um, um, so he, he's volunteering and trying to build his skills until all that job, you know, comes about. But I told him that we're, we're still going to have a fulfilling life. Whether you have a job or you don't have a job, your life is still going to be fulfilling. So tell me what you want to do. And so we've just made that happen. Oh my gosh. That sounds incredible. I love that he is, I mean, obviously working with, with kids on the spectrum who I'm sure can look at him as an inspiration because he is that he, you know, he was able to graduate and he has had so much success. Um, and then on top of that, that he is uh, helping at the food bank, like he's doing so much good. I feel like that's incredible. Yes, yes he, he is. And he, um, he always, um, enjoys what, you know, I talk to him about giving back and, um, and he enjoys going there and he, you know, he enjoys helping people that, you know, he talked to me about why, why don't they have food? You know, we got in a conversation and I said, sometimes, you know, people have hard times and, and they need some extra help. And, and he, but he was interested in why they couldn't buy food and things like that. So it's been gr a great opportunity and a learning yeah. and a teaching thing. And like we would do with all, you know, all of our children and, but he's hands, he's hands on and he worked, listen, he went and he was on his feet bagging food for homeless people for over three hours. And I was like, Stephen, are you ready? You know, that's hard for him. And I said, you know, are you ready to go? And he said, no, I want to finish. And so we finished. That's amazing. <laughs> See, I love that because, I mean, obviously, okay, we know that the job situation is is pretty bleak, unfortunately. And I, I pray that turns around and that I, – I, Me too. I really feel like it will because I think that, you know, more and more kids are being diagnosed with autism. And, like, like when Stephen was little, there was there, – there were so few. But now it's like 
everywhere you turn, there's more kids with autism. So it's like the world is going to have to adjust to. They are going to have to. And the, the only word that comes to my mind, and po- some people might think this is an extreme sentence, but there is a tsunami of autism mm-hmm. coming and they have got to be prepared. Yeah. Our federal government needs to get prepared. Our communities need to be prepared. Our state and local government needs to be prepared. I mean, we just have got to prepare for I these totally, kids. I totally agree with you. And I, and I feel like, I think it's, it's going in that direction. I think thing, I mean, I, I think it's easy to, for people to be like, you know, like we need more of this, we need more of that. And obviously like we do, I, I want all the services. I want all the resources available. I want right. everyone with autism to have a job, but it's like, these things aren't going to happen overnight. So it's like, we no, are grateful for the advances that we've made so far. And I think that as long as we continue on this path of things getting better, then let's just be hopeful. <laughs> Yes, I agree. I think things are I think things are getting better and they're going to continue to get better because like it's going to be the demand for it to get better. That's just it. Um, But I yeah, I mean, like I I, what my concern, at least right now, I'm not so worried that like Logan wouldn't have a job one day. It's more just like I I would want him to the idea of him like being an adult with autism and like staying home all day like not advancing right. that that scares me that right. scares me it used to scare yeah. me too i that's something isn't it funny uh, we all must have that in our heads <laughs> because that used to scare me too and that just and actually sadly i know several adults with autism that do stay home all day and so that is a, a there you know, is a, a possibility for um you know like i said for people who Listen, we all have a choice. I've chosen that Stephen is going to get out there and do things and live his life. And, um, you know, and some some people don't listen. There's a lot of like like I had talked to you about this before that I have a friend who didn't want to. Um, and she would admit this. This is nothing um, that I'm not sharing that she would not admit. She didn't want to fight the fight when he was growing up because it was, he was, he was extremely did violent and the meltdowns and stuff. And she did not want to fight the fight, but here's the thing. Now that he's an adult, his quality of life is showing that she did not fight the fight. And that's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, she's even said to me, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done this. And, you know, but, you know, you, you don't go back and get a second right. chance. It's so true. Yeah. No, I, I think that that is really important for, for people to hear. Because, again, I mean, for me, I have a young a young child with autism. And I think a lot of people listening are in the same boat. And it's like you you have to, like you said, fight that fight now so that, you know, tomorrow the future can be brighter. Of course, Mm -hmm. it always can. And, you know, these kids, the progress shows up on their time. Mm -hmm. They're like when Stephen, I worked with Stephen day in, day out, his therapists work with him, his teachers work with him. And it wasn't until well into elementary school that he started to really, really, really show signs of progress. And I mean, it was rapid. 
everything that I had taught him, everything everyone had taught him was starting to show up. That's like so good to hear because I do feel like the progress is so slow and I'm very slow. Any little nugget that I get back from him. Um, But it's so, it's so nice to hear from someone who has been through it and is on the other side of it that like this, you know, this, all this time and effort that you're putting in, like you're, you'll get the payback. (laughs) Yes. And you know, even as an adult, I still see things even as an adult that when Steven was younger and I taught him or told him, he, he uses now as an adult. So it just never stops. The progress never stops. That is like my, if, if there's, there's two things that I would like for Logan, I would like for him to be happy. A, I think that is the yes. most important thing. And B, I would like for him to continue progressing as a lifelong journey. I think that with is if we have those those two things going on like we are going to be a-okay and I've always said I'm like I don't care if it's slow progression we could be moving at a turtle speed but if we're moving forward and we're not going back Mm -hmm. that's all that matters right right that is all that matters and you know when you get that diagnosis it is it's Mm -hmm. tough and at least it was for us it was a a tough you know he was I didn't love him any less of course. And, you know, but just hearing that, you know, your child has something and they're going to struggle because of it is mm-hmm. tough. However, if I knew today, if I knew today or back then what I mm-hmm. know today, I, I just, it would be a whole nother ball game yeah. because They, you know, he has a fulfilling life. He loves to travel. He loves to go places. He loves to go to the movies. He loves to go to the beach. He loves to go to Disney World. I mean, he, no one lives a fuller life than he does. And you can see that. You can see that in him. And you guys, I just, I think that it's so important for, for other families to see that like, hey, like, yeah, like we, you know living with autism but like it's not so bad it's okay (laughs) right right I feel like we were we felt so scared before the diagnosis that like that somehow Logan would change or our lives would change and it's like no like the world kept on spinning we had to adapt certain things and we still do have to adapt certain things but like you I mean I think attitude is so much of it too. So it's like, if you have the attitude of like, you know what, we're going to try it and we're going to see what happens. Like mm-hmm. Nine times out of 10, he shocks me and surprises me at how well he does with things. So it's like, you just got to keep going, right. keep going. <laughs> right. Exactly. And you know, when, you know, and, and it, it just depends, you know, it, uh, when one of the doctors we saw before Steven had his diagnosis, she was so, doom and gloom and so she said just forget that baby you gave birth to just forget about that baby that baby that baby's dead he does not exist anymore so my husband said oh really so you mean when we bring him home there's going to be no more meltdowns he's gonna have that's what my husband said to the doctor because he's like okay so if he's no longer that means that the the one we're taking home today will have no more meltdowns then yeah Oh my God. <laughs> she I just looked at him like he was. Oh my God. Yeah. We've been lucky. And it's sad that I say yeah. that we've been lucky, but we haven't really encountered people. I, I mean, I've encountered some ignorant people saying some ignorant things. And I have 
have some remarks back to them. Um, But if somebody said that to me, I don't think I'd I don't think I'd keep my. (laughs) I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what kind of a of a philosophy you have to do. But then again, you know, times are changing. Thank goodness, because I don't think anyone would say that now these days. I just don't see a doctor saying that to somebody to parents these days. Yeah, I don't think a doctor would say that. But and I've talked to this before on the podcast, but I still get so often when I say like to someone who who doesn't know you know me or, or Logan I'm like oh yeah my son has autism and their first reaction is I'm so sorry oh I know I know like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> and I just I mean, I there's nothing to be sorry about he's an amazing kid I'm lucky to have him that's it and, uh, and I just I'm... There you go. I know. <laughs> I know. And and then, you know, sometimes you'll go and they'll they'll talk, you know, when you go to the doctor's office, they'll talk to you and like they can't hear. Mm-hmm. Um one time, and this is a, a a funny, a quick funny story. One time we were at the doctor and she said, um, she was very nasty and it's like, get on the scale, you know, the nurse was and stuff like that. And then I said, um, uh, uh, excuse me. I said, he has autism. I mean, she was, he was probably maybe 11. I'm taking a guess around 11. And she was so mean to him. He was doing the best he could. He, you know, processing things. Mm-hmm. It takes him a minute. He was trying and he got scared when she yelled at him and stuff like that. And I, and I said to her, excuse me, you know, like that. And then she left the room and he looked at me and he said to me, don't call me Steven with autism. And I said, I am so sorry. I said, what should I have called you? And he said, I just want to be Steven the regular. That makes me want to cry. That is. I know. So from then on. From then on, I said to Stephen, Stephen, if that happens, you tell, I want you to speak up for yourself. And that's when I started helping him do a little more advocating mm-hmm. for himself. But I was always careful from then on because he deserves the same respect that, as all of us, you know? Okay. And so I was like, I am, I am so sorry I said that and I will not do that again. So I was just careful from, from then on. It's- but he told me what yeah, was what oh my god well I have so enjoyed talking with you and I yes. just think that you're amazing and Steven is incredible and I love hearing about you and your family um do you want to share how people can can connect with you um sure they can um growing up Steven um I have Instagram and growingupsteven.com. I have a blog and a website and I would love for anyone to go on there and check out my blog posts. I talk about, you know, our whole journey and, um, you know, even now I talk about, you know, different things now and um, I also have a Facebook page and I kept the name growing up Steven for everything just to try to keep it simple for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I will. I'll, so, I'll tag all that stuff when when I post the show. But Kelly, again, thank you, thank you so much for being so open and honest and for sharing. And you are you're just an incredible mom. And Stephen is amazing. And I love following along with you guys. Oh, and thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay, you take care.
Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Kelly. I just think that she is amazing, and I I connected with her so much. I feel like following along with people on social media, people like Kelly, uh, it's really just the best. People who are so, like, honest and open about their lives, especially when, you know, it's it's an adult on the spectrum because, like, we talked about this in the episode, but I, I feel like it's – you know, it's different for everybody, obviously, but it's kind of a, a glimpse into what the future might hold for us. And if our future is as bright and happy and fun as Kelly and her family's, then I am very excited <laughs> um, because it's just it's so nice to see people really enjoying their lives and letting autism be a part of it, but not dictate everything. I just, I love that so much. So I hope that you guys enjoyed listening to Kelly and definitely follow her on social media so you can see all the fun stuff that her and Steven are up to. Um, Steven is so sweet too. I love all her videos with him. He just, he touches my heart. Um, so yes, definitely check out Kelly on social media, growing up Steven and her blog. And then if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at adventures and autism podcast or on Instagram at adventures and autism pod, or you can email me at adventures and autism 2018 at yahoo.com. Again, I love hearing from you guys. If you just want to say hi, if you have a question, a comment, uh, all of it, let me know if you are interested in being a guest on the show. If you'd like to share your story, then definitely let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Um, another little fun piece of news. I was a guest on another podcast this past week uh, with the host Jody Warshawski has a wonderful podcast called Accepting the Unacceptable and it's mostly solo episodes. She is the host and she is she's amazing and she talks all about her journey with her family and her her daughter Remy has autism and epilepsy so she talks a lot about that but then she has had a few guests so I'm very honored to be one of those guests. So definitely check out that episode. It was really fun. We her and I just connected and I feel like the conversation got very deep and very personal because her and I have such a a wonderful connection as it is. Um, So definitely check that out. And again, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, take care.